In a moment, I'm going to ask uh, our speaker this morning to come up, but I want to say one thing, and that is to the congregation, thank you. Oh, excuse me, I'll get out of your way. Thank you for moving this here. That's Now, thank you so much for how you have been a part of this beginning of the year. And because we believe it's not just for this year, 2020, we believe God is using this year for a momentum that will grow throughout this decade. And, and we are here saying, God, we are praying. We want, we're hungry for you. We want more of you, Jesus. We want to hear your spirit. We want to be people who walk with the reality of your presence of your voice among us. And so I just want to say thank you for how you have, some of you have fasted by fasting from food, some of you have fasted from social media and other things. And then this week we read together 150 people over 150 people for about 79 hours starting Sunday at the end of this service went all the way through Wednesday and you know, just had this incredible, capped it off with a soup supper, which we realized is a better meal to have than pizza um, from when we've done this before as you've been fasting. But there's some of the groups that have just in, in one of the rooms when we had to move it into one of the rooms because ministry was happening here, uh, people who were around. And, and I have to say, it was so fun to have a, my small group meet and to pray together and to, to then read together on Sunday night, seeing other small groups, seeing families, seeing children. Um, I just can tell you, I, I know I'm smiling. I believe God is, is smiling as well. So thank you. Now, <clears throat> I am so excited to introduce to you Max Davis. He's written over about 30 books. He's actually co-authored, but he also writes with other. Um, and in that kind of fashion, he has had... Uh, it, it been noted in the USA Today as well as on the Today Show. Um, those are some of those kind of th- things. But from his recent book, Josiah, Jesus, and Me, uh, which tells about a young man, Josiah Cullen, who has some of these, has some visions. He's, he's nonverbal. He can't do anything. He, it, I, I say, I wish you could know more. You can know more if you read that book. But it is such a cool encounter that God gave him through Josiah. What was so neat to me is I didn't know Max from Adam until some things occurred. We're going to explain it in the community hour. So if you want to stay after the service at 1030, um, that's kind of a teaser. I would love to share with you um, how Max got here. But back in 2015, we had Tani come who is the mother of Josiah and share how God does miraculous work in his life. All these things connect together. You're confused. I'm glad you are. We'll explain it at the community hour. We're going to ask Max to come up and um, in just a short time, the way that God can do. I, I'm i just excited because he's kind of um, knit our hearts together uh, because we you. have one, one passion as well and that is that um, the spirit of God would, would rule and reign in our hearts. Got my eye on that clock. Got a lot of things to say, so I'm gonna I'm gonna kind of get right at it. Man, the turnout yesterday for the prayer workshop was unbelievable. I was expecting 20 people, and it was standing room only, probably 100 people. Unfortunately, we sold almost out of books. There's about 20 of them out there. Y'all gonna have to fight over them. <laughs> if 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 you need, just go to maxdavisbooks.com. It's okay. So the difference between people in Minnesota and the people in Mississippi, I found out, is the people in Minnesota talk funny. (laughs) Okay? People in Mississippi and Louisiana, where I'm from, we talk normal. (laughs) 
hey, Jesus is real, he's alive, he's risen, and he's fully present right here. He really is. He's really here right now. Do you believe that? Like, like, do you really believe it? Like, do you believe it enough that it, it, it affects the way you walk? That's what we want to talk about today. I want to just run through some scriptures real fast, and then I want to get to these stories. John chapter 14, can you put that up there? Listen to what it says. It says, I will pray the Father, he will give you another helper, that he may abide with you forever, forever, the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it, the world can't receive this, okay? So don't expect the world to understand. Whom the world cannot receive, neither sees him nor knows him. The world doesn't know him, but you know him. He's talking to the disciples. For he dwells in you, and he will be with you. So, so Jesus promised the disciples, and as you will see us, that the Holy Spirit would be in us and he would be with us. Now let's go to the next scripture. Acts 15, 28. For it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us to lay upon you no greater burden. The, the basis, what I want to show is the Holy Spirit was the one guiding their decision here. This is Paul. They were praying. And they, they didn't move until the Holy Spirit gave them direction. They didn't just jump out. They... When it seemed good to the Holy Spirit, they moved. Let's go to the next scripture. Acts 16, 6. Now, when they had gone through Philigria and the region of Galatia, they were forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. So, so the Holy Spirit actually, I know people that say, God called me to, I mean, I'm going here, I'm going here. Does the, God, does the Holy Spirit forbid you from preaching the gospel he did them he he forbade them so the holy spirit's guiding this you see it let's go to the next scripture acts 13 2 as they ministered through fasting and prayer they ministered to the lord and fasted the holy spirit said so so here you go you guys have done this you've been ministering to the Lord and fasting and the Holy Spirit said and they did what they did now let's go to the next scripture Ephesians now we're through Acts a lot of people say oh Acts was but now we're through Acts and Paul is preaching to the Gentiles that's us we're the Gentiles he's preaching to us that get saved he says in him you trusted After you heard the truth, the gospel of salvation, in whom also, having believed, when you believed the gospel, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. So when you you believed the gospel, when you just got saved, the Holy Spirit came into you, the Holy Spirit of promise. What is he talking about? Promise. He's talking about the the promise that we read back in John 14 where he says um, um, the Holy Spirit of promise. So so the question, and and then let's do one more scripture. 1 Corinthians 2.12. 1 
And I'm going to get through. Now, so, so you have the Holy Spirit in you. Here's another one. Now, we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is God, that we might know the things freely given to us by God. So, so clearly as believers, we have the Holy Spirit in us to direct us. Okay? Now, here's the question that I want to ask you. Do, do you believe the Holy Spirit still guides today? And I'm talking about like in the book of Acts. First, I'm not talking about Bible knowledge. I'm not talking about Bible truth. I'm talking about him guiding our directions and our decisions, where we go. Does the Holy Spirit still guide like that today? There are people that say he doesn't, that it's just the Bible. And, and I'm here to tell you, first of all, the Bible is the plumb line of all truth. So the Holy Spirit, number one, and primarily speaks through the Bible, okay? But if you stop there, you're missing out on God's best. And the Holy Spirit will never contradict the Bible. He'll never say something that's not biblical. But if you stop there, you're going to miss God's best. I I just, I'm telling you that. And I'm going to answer the question by telling you some stories. And at the end, I'm not telling you what to believe, but you can just, you can just um, make your own decisions. But before we do that, I have to tell you the two things. Number one, I'm a journalist. Got a degree in journalism and a master's, and I'm not saying that to brag, but I hate embellishment. I hate lying, I hate all that. I hate exaggeration. So the stories that I'm gonna tell you, they're real. They're real and they're true. They really happen that way. And number two is that the Bible is the plumb line of all truth. You know, we we seek truth. Truth sets us free. That's the Bible. And experiences encourage us. We need to not get it confused. You know, you don't seek experiences. You seek truth and you have experiences. Okay, does that make sense? All right, I'm going to start talking fast. 40 years ago... 42 years ago, I was a rebellious teenager, 18 years old, hair down to here, drove a 1972 Grand Torino Sport with a 351 Cleveland, just like, did you see the movie Grand Torino? Exact car, except mine was, was, was baby blue. I mean, I was the bad dude on campus, okay? In my own mind, I, I was the bad dude. <laughs> I had the platform shoes, bell bottoms, silk shirt with the desert scene. You know what I'm talking about? And I mean, when I, when I hit the doors of my high school, I was, I was the dude, okay? All that, I was, I was voting on the homecoming court. So you get that picture, okay? I played football, was getting a full scholarship to the, Uni- to the U- University of Mississippi to play football. So... I got radically saved going into my junior, my senior year. And I knelt down, this was 42 years ago, I knelt down in a shower, a shower, with a little chick track, remember those? Had the plan of salvation on it. I knelt down, that boy knelt down in the shower and I gave my life to Jesus. I invited Jesus into my life 45 years ago. Now, It wasn't spectacular. 
But it was supernatural because when I got up from that shower, I was a different person. And here it is 45 years, 42 years later, and I'm more on fire for God now than I ever was. And, and looking back on it, I mean, my life was radically changed. I mean, when I walked back into the school, the, 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 the gossip was, did you hear about Max Davis? He got religion. I mean, everybody knew it. I didn't have to hide it. But all I did was kneel down, ask Jesus. I came up. It was a different person. And it's lasted 40-something years. <laughs> okay. I mean, there's been a lot that God's brought me through. But I believe what happened is what we just read in Ephesians chapter 1. When I knelt down in that shower, the Holy Spirit came inside of me. And it wasn't spectacular, but it was supernatural. And the reason I say that is a lot of times we miss the supernatural looking for the spectacular. We think for the Holy Spirit to speak, it's got to be spectacular. It doesn't. In fact, most of the time the Holy Spirit speaks, it's not spectacular. It's, it's about learning to hear his voice and obeying that voice, that prompting. But at first you have, you have to get to the point where you, where you hear his voice. And, 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 and it comes through relationship, through reading the word. and spending. So anyway, so I got time. I'm looking at the clock. So I got, I got saved and I didn't know anything. I didn't know any theology. And I started walking with God. I mean, literally walking with God. I lived in the country on, you know, hundreds of acres. We had a a river that ran through. And and I would weekly walk hours. I would spend hours with God with my little Bible. And I would walk and I would talk to Jesus and I would read his Bible. And I just thought, oh, well, it means what it says. I didn't know any theology. I had not been to seminary yet. I didn't know that the Holy Spirit wasn't supposed to speak until after. (laughs) I didn't know any of that. I just walked with God and I fell in love with Jesus. I would sit on a branch or a a log in the river and I would talk to God and I would read his Bible. And that became my lifestyle. And I did that two or three times a week. And, and, And I've done that my whole life. But I just thought everybody did that. I didn't know that that was not the norm. So one day, I just, this was about three weeks after the shower experience. I heard a voice. I was doing my thing with Jesus, and I heard a voice. And when I say I heard a voice, it was in here. It was loud. It was a whisper, but it was loud. Have you ever... And. And, and I, I mean, I could almost say it was audible because I heard it, but I knew it wasn't me. Does that make sense? So I'm just walking, having this fellowship with Jesus and boom, this is what the voice said. You're going to write books and they're going to go all over the world. And many, many people are going to come to me. That was it. And what you have to understand is how crazy that is. I never read a book. <laughs> I hated English. I like, like I, I'm the cliff notes guy. Okay. And I didn't even read the cliff notes. I just read the back of the cliff notes. Okay. And I read books with pictures, if you know what I mean. And, and sports illustrated, but I didn't never read the articles. 
that's who I was. If you wanted to punish me, put me in the library. So, so, so I knew that this voice did not come from me. Okay? I knew it did not come from me. And I literally said, whoa, where did that come from? Because I knew it didn't come from me. And so I did something kind of crazy. I, and by the way, I had a 1.5 GPA. <laughs> Overall GPA. And, and, I, and I got into Ole Miss on probation because I had, to, I had to have tutors and everything my first year. So, so literally, God calling me to be a writer is like the least likely person on the face of the earth in our high school. If you took a survey, who's the least likely person that would write books? It would probably be me, or I'd be one of those. But I did something crazy. I, I believed it. I believed it. And I told my dad. <laughs> And, and that's the last thing your dad wants to hear is that your son's going to be a writer. And I had no idea how you make a living or, or what you do. But my dad, bless his heart, this is the first time. He came through for me big time. He didn't shame me. He didn't belittle me. He didn't say, how are you going to make a living as a writer? He said, you know what? You got this scholarship to play football. Why don't you take it? And after four years, if you still feel called, I'll pay your way to seminary. And I thought, wow, that's a pretty good deal. And you know what? That, my dad probably thought, oh, it's a phase, you know. <laughs> he'll, he'll be through it. But it wasn't a phase, it was God. But I, was, I didn't know what I was going to major in. I was thinking PE or physical science or something. But I changed my major to journalism. I said, God, you know, if this was you, if you spoke to me, then I'm going to go to journalism. I'm not going to waste these four years. So I go to journalism school at Ole Miss. I go straight to the dean. I said, God's called me to be a writer. (laughs) He didn't think I was crazy either. So I wind up getting this degree in journalism and wound up with a 4.0 on the dean's list and just kind of was like a sponge for learning. But what I learned is that that guidance to journalism was the best thing that could ever happen to me. Because the journalism, I went on to seminary, I got a master's degree in theology, but it's the journalism that changed my life. It's the journalism that, that my life is all about because the journalism, I'm a skeptic, and it caused me to question my faith. But then as a writer and as a journalist that's searching for truth, I challenge any atheist to be with me for one day. And at the end of the day, they have to say either God's real or I'm a liar. And I've interviewed people, real people, solid people, lawyers, doctors. I'm not talking about kookies that have had real live miracles. I've seen blind eyes open. I've seen tumors disappear. I've seen, and I've also seen people die. I have a deaf son that's 31 years old, never been healed. So I know what pain is. But I've seen so much that the stuff that I don't understand, I kind of give to God because of the stuff that I have seen. So anyway, I'll tell you a story. So I'm doing pretty good. (laughs) So I I had two hours yesterday, and the two hours was perfect. So, So here I am. Now, now I'm at journal. I'm at journalism school. Get this picture. I'm playing football. I'm studying journalism. I'm a young believer, and 
I'm playing the guitar. Okay. I, I'm totally convinced that that's going to be another one of my callings <laughs> is that I'm supposed to play the guitar. <laughs> and this is how the Holy Spirit works. And I, I'm like, when I do something, I do it. Okay. Like I go all out. So I was playing the guitar like three or four hours a day. You know, every, I'd pick it up. My mom gave me a guitar. I mean, I just played all the time. Practicing football stuff. You see what I'm saying? So one day, I'm in Oxford, Mississippi. I pick up my guitar and I hear a voice. It's the same voice that spoke to me that I was going to be a writer. And it said, give your guitar away. (laughs) Now, I did not want to give my guitar away. This is not something I wanted to do. And and it wasn't like, give your guitar away and I'm going to give you another one. It was like, (laughs) give your guitar away, give it up. And I fought this thing, and for the next two weeks, I promise you, every time I picked up the guitar, it was like, give your guitar away. Give it. I couldn't play. It was like bugging me. So finally, one day, I said, okay, God, I'll give you the guitar. And when I said it, a guy's name popped in my head, John Edwards. And I can verify this story, John Edwards. Well, and... It was like, give the guitar to John Edwards. Well, one thing you have to understand is John Edwards did not play the guitar. He didn't play the guitar. In fact, he didn't play any musical instruments. He was one of those non-musical guys, if you know what I mean. And I only only knew him as an acquaintance. He had come to a few Bible studies that I had. And, um, And I said, okay, I'll give the guitar to John. Even if he get, thinks I'm crazy, I, I don't care. I'm giving the guitar to John. Well, it was during Christmas break. And I, because I played football, I had to stay on campus at, during that time for some reasons like study and things like that. Well, John had gone home for, so he's in South Mississippi, five hours away in a little town called Port Gibson, Mississippi. So I said, okay, God, when John comes back, He's getting the dang guitar. So two weeks later, when classes resume, I called John on the phone. I said, John, can you come to my apartment? I got to talk to you. So he came. He sat on the couch, and I got my guitar in the case, and I gave it. I said, John, you may think I'm crazy, but here, take my guitar. And I'm expecting him to say, yeah, you are crazy. I looked up. He had tears running down his eye. And he says, let me show you something. So he reaches in his journal, his book bag, and he pulls out a journal. He said, over the holidays, I was worshiping God in Port Gibson, Mississippi, two weeks ago. And, and the Lord spoke to me and, and told me to write this down. And this is what he wrote. I have it memorized. There is a guitar with your name on it that I, the Lord God, I'm going to give you. And I'm going to teach you to sing praises and worship me. And so he got that. He wrote it down. He put it in his journal. At two weeks later, when he goes to school, I call him, I look him up, and I give him my guitar. Now, you know, you, you, you can look at it either way. You look at it from John's. So bottom line is, while the Holy Spirit was speaking to, to John at church, 
he was speaking to me too in, in Oxford, Mississippi. And it just, that, that voice. I mean, look, you, you can say I'm, you know, I don't, it happened. It happened exactly like that. And John went on and he wrote a hundred songs. He, he had this incredible uh, music ministry to prisons and jail. It's just an incredible story. So anyway, that voice literally uh, guided my life. You know, has been guiding my life. And one of the reasons that I have 31 books today is because of following that voice. And I'm going to tell you another story. So one of the books out there is called The Insanity of Unbelief. A journalist's journey from belief to skepticism to deep faith. And it was a number one seller. It was actually number one. And so the interesting thing about that book, I'm looking really good. <laughs> the, the interesting thing about that book is normally as a writer now established, I do what's called a proposal and I have an agent and my agent sells the book. So I usually... I don't write a book until after I have a contract. Does that make sense? But this book, I felt specifically prompted by the Holy Spirit to write the whole book. And so I wrote the whole book. I had it, and it was like a download. It really was. It was like, and I mean, I studied, but it just flowed. Well, after the book was finished, I gave it to my agent. I had a, I had a big time New York agent. I gave him the book. I said, sell this book. And he loved it. He just like, this, this book is incredible. It's going to sell. So, so he's selling the book. And I'm mowing the grass. I have 40 acres of land. And I was out working in the yard, mowing the grass on a tractor. And that voice came again. And by the way, I can verify all of this. And the voice said... Destiny Image Publishers is going to publish The Insanity of Unbelief. That's what it said. Destiny Image Publishers. And I didn't want to particularly get published with Destiny Image, number one. Number two, I did not know. I didn't have any contacts with Destiny Image. You have to understand that. There are hundreds of publishers out there. I knew no one. I had no contacts with that publisher. So I came in. And I wrote it in my journal. I can show you in my journal where I wrote it. It was like May 18th. I wrote, Destiny Image Publishers, the Lord spoke. They're the ones that's going to do this book. And then about three or four months, over the next three or four months, I got the same word. Destiny Image Publishers. And I got it all in my journal. I I can show it to you if you ever want to look at it. Well, in the meantime, my agent is selling the book. And everybody liked it. But nobody bought it. And they would get to, to where like, we really like this book, but man, I don't know, we just, just can't give it a contract kind of thing. And I told him, I said, David, that was his name. I said, God said Destiny Image is the one that's supposed to publish this book. And he goes, nah, I don't want to sell it to Destiny Image. He said, let's, let's sell it to all of these other publishers. And then if Last resort, we'll sell it to Destiny. And he kept, another six months goes by and nothing happened. So I finally pulled it from my agent. I said, forget you, I'm going to get another agent. So I got this new agent in Tulsa, Oklahoma. I drove all the way up to Tulsa. We sat down and we planned my next two years. And I said, hey, I got this book. 
insanity of unbelief, I want you to sell it to Destiny Image. And she said, eh. she says, I, I, I want to I market you to all these other publishers first. But, but then we'll... And you know, she never tried selling that book to Destiny Image. And my problem is, one of my faults is, I kind of let people tell me what to do a lot of times. And I was just kind of going with the flow. And she didn't sell it. So the book got put on the shelf. It actually, the manuscript that I work got put on the shelf. And I figured, oh well, you know, we'll, we'll get to it. Fast forward over a year later, I'm going on a date with my wife. And I go on a date with her every week. Well, this was back when there was the landline. Do any of y'all still have landline? <laughs> well, we got rid of our landline because the only people they called landline were salespeople. And so, but this, we still had the landline and we're walking out of our kitchen to go into the garage to get in the car and the phone rings on the landline. And Atlanta reaches back and she grabs it and she says, yeah, he's right here. <laughs> I'm like, why did you do that? I don't want to talk to anybody. I get on the phone and he goes, hey, this is Kyle Blockbach. I'm an executive at Destiny Image Publishers. <laughs> he said, um, I've been sitting here in my office and, and the Lord has just put you on my mind. And I, I know you've got, I don't even know you, and, but I've read some of your books. And I was just wondering, is, do you have anything that we might want to publish? <laughs> I said, actually, I do. (laughs) And I sent him the manuscript within a week. A week. We had a major book deal with major money. And all I can do is chalk it up to the Holy Spirit. Now, come on. Tell tell me. The Holy Spirit told me Destiny Image was going to publish that book. And all the people that knew everything in the business, they couldn't get it done. But the Holy Spirit got it done. And, and that has been the story of my life. And now I actually have a little time to, to look at my notes. <laughs> so, so you see that? Do you see the pattern? You know, I got saved in the shower. God told me I was going to be a writer. You know, give the guitar. And, and there's so many stories in between. But this is how, he, how, he's, how he's guided my life. Let me look here and see if there's something you know okay so now every book I might have an extra story Tom (laughs) so every book that I've written has been a God story okay like it's not just that one book it's like kind of the story of my life listening to to the Holy Spirit but we have an enemy we have an enemy and Satan and the spiritual warfare is very real. And so he comes against our mind too. He does. The enemy comes against our mind. And sometimes we have to go, is this God or is this the enemy? And that's where the word of God, you know, comes in. You know, we have to really know the word of God. But um, so after, this is after 30 books published and a career of writing, writing for George Foreman and people like that and, you know, just, I'm still doubting my call. <laughs> Even after all of this stuff, the enemy puts in my mind things like, you're not really called to be a writer. 
You're not really good enough. You know, you're wasting your, you should have been a doctor. You know, you, 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 you could be passing the church of, 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 of 700 people now. You know, you, but, and he constantly does that. So, and, and you, so, so it's that warfare that you have to keep. So anyway, so I can't remember the exact date, but this is in the Josiah book. So it was on a Thursday. I was crisis. I was having a crisis of faith. Okay. And I went to the Mississippi River levee in Louisiana where I live. And I could walk for four or five hours. And I went to the Mississippi River and I had my clipboard in my hand. And this is so important as a journalist, you gotta listen to my words because they're important. I cried out to God and I said, God, was this, was this really you? Was it really you that spoke to me back when I was in high school? Was it really you? Or was it just some stupid dream that, that I followed out of my own flesh? Because, because now I'm going into another phase and I need to know again, was this really you? And for three hours, I walked on that river. And as I walked on the river, I remembered back. I was remembering back. In fact, Tani sent me that scripture t- today. She sent me that exact scripture this morning where David said he remembered the things of the Lord. So on that river, I started remembering back. I remembered the insanity of beast. I remembered, the, I remembered all the things that God had did for, done for me. And I got to where God spoke to me in the beginning. Can you get that picture? On the river, I'm walking and I'm rehearsing my life, everything that the Holy Spirit has done. And I'm going backwards to that time where he spoke to me to, that I was going to be a writer. And I cried out, I promise you. I said, it's blurry. I, I can't, it, it's blurry. What, was it really you? Was it, was it really you that spoke? Because it's, it's hard right now. It's hard right now. Because my life is by faith. If I don't get book deals, I don't eat. Okay? And so I said that. I said, it's blurry. It's blurry. And um, then the Holy Spirit I got this peace from the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit said, you were a child in faith. You were young. You were immature. But the calling was real. It was reality. And I wrote that. I can show you. I wrote it. Two days later, two days later, I get a sovereign, spontaneous word from Josiah Cullen in Minnesota, nine and a half year old autistic boy, and I'm in Baton Rouge, okay? And we had never met. And this is what he said in his email he sent me. If dreams are big to handle, you are so perfect to manage one that you said reality was blurry. And he said, God, I, I'm remembering off my head. God thinks it's great that you embrace his gifts like you do. But that two days earlier, I 
that's exactly what I did. I was managing that dream and I said those words, it's blurry. And then two days later, I get this out of the blue, this word from Josiah saying, man, you're managing your dream and you said reality was blurry, but, but it wasn't. It's not blurry. It's, it's God. So God was confirming to me through Josiah that what he called me to do is, is really him. So, so you see how I've, I've lived my life following the Holy Spirit. And um, I got one last story I want to share that, that God actually gave it to me this morning. And I know this is about writing and it's about my career but it's really about you guys. Do you see how you can apply this in every area? So um, when I do a lot of walking on the trail. Is this boring or y'all? So I do a lot of walking on the trail. So I wrote a book called When Jesus is a Green-Eyed Brunette. And that book actually sold out yesterday. So, But anyway, we were finished with the book. And I had one chapter left that I needed to write. And we were under a deadline. And, and deadlines are just like, it's just really stressful. And when, when you listen to the Holy Spirit, sometimes it can get kind of scary. And it can get personal. So I had this one chapter left to write and the deadline was in two days. And I was freaking out. Because usually it takes me a month to write a chapter. And here I needed this chapter in two days. So I went back to the Mississippi River. This is one of my things. And I had my clipboard in my hand. And I said, God, I've got to have a chapter. You've got to come up with a chapter. I don't have it in me. It's not in me. I do not have in me what I need to finish this book. You have got to do it. And I held up my clipboard and I'm like, Holy Spirit, you got to do this. And I said, I'm going to walk for three hours. And when I get back to my Jeep, you're going to have given me this. And I said that just like that. And I had these new walking shoes, $150, $180 walking shoes before tax. Like, like $200 really powerful walking shoes because my back, you know, you, you, when you walk as much as I do, you really need to invest in walk. I had brand new pair. So I'm walking down the levee, praise God, oh God, you're gonna, and there's a homeless guy right here. And he doesn't have any shoes. And I'm walking, praise God. The Holy Spirit, that same voice, that same voice, give him his shoes. I said, that's not God. I said, that, that's the enemy. I literally said that. I said, I said, Jesus, you, you told him the poor you'd have with them always. And I got a chapter. I've got a chapter to finish. I got a deadline. If I give him my shoes, I don't have any more shoes. And I'm, I'm under pressure here. So I keep walking. Like I walk for another, like with the guitar, I walk for another 15 minutes. Give him your shoes. Give him your shoes. And every time I went to write, give him your shoes. So finally I go, okay, I'm not going to get anything done. So I said, okay. And I turned around. I walked back. He's laying on the bench like this. 
And I sat down by it and I said, today's your lucky day, but God told me to give you my shoes. And I took my shoes off. He jumps up. He starts crying. He goes, I can't believe you gave me your shoes. He says, I've been praying. I need shoes. And I gave him my shoes, wound up taking him to the wall. I wound up buying him lunch. I wound up buying him jeans and pants and all kinds of stuff. My, my day was totally wrecked. <laughs> Dealing with this homeless guy. And look, he prays for, he goes, can I pray for you? And he prays for me. And he, I mean, like he is just boohooing. And I'm, I'm like pretty hacked off at the end. And I'm driving home and I call my wife. I says, you're not going to believe this. I went to write the chapter and I wound up spending all day with this homeless guy and giving him my shoes. And my wife goes, well, I think you have your chapter. <laughs> and that was the last chapter of the book. If you read that book, that became the last chapter of the book. And, and, I, and I really believe that when you walk with the Holy Spirit... And listen to him. God's going to write your chapter. He's going to write your book. But, but you have to understand that he, he's really real. He's really alive. He's really present. Even when we don't feel like. Most of the time we don't feel it. But like my wife and I. I know my wife's voice. Because I spend time with her. And when you spend time with, with God, you get to know his voice. But, but we live in a world that, that is distracted. I mean, I, I totally believe that the enemy... Look, social media is great. We need social media. We need all of the stuff. But the enemy uses that to take us away from our time with God. You know, my wife, I know her. I know her. I know everything about her. Because... Because we're one and, and, and we have a relationship. When you get to know Jesus like that through his word, through prayer, through fellowship with him, and you learn to hear his voice and then you act on that, he begins to, to give you more and stuff. So it takes faith. But the enemy wants to distract us. He wants to keep us away from God. You know, my son-in-law wants to serve God, but he can't get off the video games. And I'm like, how in the world are you going to hear God if you're spending four or five hours a day or three hours a day on the video game? And I'm not saying that it's not, it's not a sin, but if you want to hear God, you've got to make time for God. And it's not a legalistic thing. I'm not saying that. I just learned this. I learned if God doesn't come through, I'm dead meat. And, and when I try to do life on my own, I screw up. That, that's the truth. So I have learned it's in my best interest to get to know the Holy Spirit. So, amen. Look, I got three minutes to spare. There we go. I just want to say thank you Aww. for your um, heart and for speaking to us. Yesterday was just so grateful. It's it's been talking and listening to you. Just we just live up the Mississippi a little bit. So yeah. 
about take a riverboat up here sometime. Yeah. So <laughs> thank you. God bless. Um, I'm going to ask you to stand. And we're going to go into a time of worship. And so would you just take, as we take this moment of worship, sing and, and worship the Lord. Um, I don't, you may be in a place right now where you're kind of saying, God, I need to hear from you. And uh, it, it's not a magical thing. It doesn't always happen when you say, God, speak now. But if you want him to speak to you, I truly believe it's true. You have to make time to be with him, to get to know him. And then, and really believe he speaks, and when he does, to be obedient to that voice. Let's worship him.